Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hollywood Haymaker Podcast. I am Dustin Dubuque. I'm John Hanson. And we're all set up. We got a table now. Yeah, and really. we're starting to look more moving, professional. Moving up in the world. We got, a table. <laughs> we got, we got chairs and yeah. cords everywhere. So, yeah. you know, it's it's what are we, twelve episodes in and we're we're professionals now. Uh, I don't know we'll go that far. <laughs> we'll get there though. Um so we are back from the holidays with a, I think, jam-packed episode this week. As we're, yeah, we got a lot to talk we about. We do, as we're loading up from the end-of-the-year stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess before that, holiday good after uh, oh, yeah. did you fill yourself up full of food like I did? Of course. Pretty sure I ate ham for five days straight. <laughs> Just nonstop. Oh, I love ham. I know. Uh, we hosted this year, so uh, we had uh, all the leftovers. Yeah. I finally... Uh, I think it was like three days ago, I looked in my fridge. I was looking for something to eat, and I realized that there was a, a still ham back there. And I was like, mm, man, you know, I think I'm done. And I think, like, I think I have to call it quits. That there's, I can't shove any more of this into my mouth. Yeah. So. Yeah, my girlfriend and I hosted over here, too. Yeah? Some of her family came, and some of my family came. Do you host, can, like, was that your first time hosting? You host here and there? Uh, not my first time hosting, but usually um, me or my uh, brother's family or my sister's family will take yeah, turns. Yeah, rotate it. But we had the new house and stuff. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're, we, we currently record in the basement of John's brand new home yep. in our hometown. So, well, that's fun. Yeah, hosting's fun. It's the three days of lead up where you actually have to clean every single thing. We did it all like the day before. Oh, did you? <laughs> See, uh, we, uh, um, I have a nine month old and he was just, he was just ready to crawl. He was in that moment mm-hmm. and he was right there and I'm like, it was the week before Christmas. I'm like, you know what you could really do is hold off until after Christmas is done. <laughs> and, and, you know, like obviously as a parent, that's what you want. You want them to crawl. But I mean, my, me and my wife were like four more days, just give us four more days. And he did the very next day after Christmas, start crawling around the house. And then I learned why I'm glad I waited because now he's constant and we would have gotten nothing done. Yeah. It would have been one person making sure he wasn't eating the dog food off the floor, <laughs> and then the other person vacuuming the entire house. So mm-hmm. that's funny. Um, any any movie related gifts? Did you get anything fun? Uh, I got a movie trivia game. I got it right here, as a matter of fact. And if you want, we'll we'll, we'll try. Are it. you just gonna pull at random? Sure. Oh gosh. I could test you out. And see. Oh man, I should take a couple of these too. I'm gonna prove that John's way better at movie trivia than I am. We'll I I remember nothing. <laughs> so. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, this is this is one that I feel like uh, you would probably know. Which British actor is the star of the 2010 movie Repo Man? Is that Jude Law? Yeah. Look at that. One for one. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. All right. Let me do one for you. Are you just picking random ones? Yeah. Um, let's try just. I'm just going to pick a random one. What type of car does Nicolas Cage steal in The Rock? Oh, I thought you were going to go Gone and Sixty Yeah, seconds, right? Huh? I, when I read it, I was like, but I'm like, ooh, that's a tough one. Because I, I'm familiar with Eleanor, the, the Mustang. Right. From Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. But in The Rock? I might have known this just because I watched The Rock a couple months ago. I would have to take a, just a shot in the dark and say a, a Corvette or something. Yeah, it's a Ferrari. I'll okay. give you that. At least you know it's a fast, sleek-looking car. I don't remember that. It's I, when uh, uh, 
Uh, oh my gosh. The, the, uh, James Bond. What? Sean Connery. Yeah. Jeez. Sean Connery breaks out and they have to chase him down through the streets and okay. Nicholas Cage jumps in the car and she, that's like a middle part of that movie that yeah. nobody remembers. Cause only people remember the prison stuff. Right. Yeah. Cause that movie's like two and a half hours long. Right. So that's a tough one. Um, all right. This is an easy one. You should know this one. In what 2012 movie do teenagers use their superpowers to animate teddy bears, crush cars and fly? Oh, that is uh, <laughs> great. Now I'm going to have to try to remember the name of that movie. Cause now I have it all in my head. It's a, uh, it's a very, very good movie. Yes. See, this is why I can't pull names this fast of That's stuff. Right. It's Chronicle. Chronicle. Dang it. I did. Know. I was thinking the whole, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then, of course, I kept thinking of Super 8, which I know was wrong, but yep. that's the name that was coming to my head. Right, let's try another one. Here's an easy one. What stop-motion animation feature is about counterterrorism force? Oh, Team America. Of course. Love that. Who doesn't love Team America? That's a movie you wonder now. It is 14 years old now. Is it really? Yeah, I think it was 2004. I wonder how much that movie is like remembered by people younger than us. I was just describing it to my girlfriend the other day and she thought I was making it up. Why wouldn't you? Honestly. <laughs> it sounds so absurd. Right. Remember when we thought, uh, I'm like, it's a musical with puppets about it terrorism. Is. You know, it the, is. you know that movie. You know, the normal movie, the, the puppet one. <laughs> where, where that whole genre. This, <laughs> it's funny. We, we make fun of, we make fun of how ridiculous, oh gosh, the, uh, the, the Muppets movie that came out this year. Uh, oh, the happy time, happy time murders. Yeah. But yet we're let's give them some more advertising. <laughs> yeah, but yet let's. Uh, but don't forget though. I know that movie sounds stupid, but did you see the movie with the puppets and they do it and they puke a lot? Oh, that sounds stupid, but it's not because it's hilarious. Well, Trey Parker is a is a talented guy. Yeah, and I, so funny. Yeah, you know, from South Park, I've enjoyed everything he's done. So yeah, he, me too. He can, he can pull off a. A ridiculous puppet movie. Oh, a little bit better than than Happy Time. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. All right, got another one for you. Um, just gonna pick one. Who play? Oh, this one's easy. Who played the schizophrenic math prodigy John Nash in A Beautiful Mind? Russell Crowe, of course. Yeah. We would. Okay, this game's a little easier than I thought. <laughs> like even I read these and I'm like, no, nah, these a couple. These are good. Like this one. This is an actual question. I understand depending on. What is the name of Tony Stark's alter ego? No idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a question on here. Yeah, I mean, course, I'm not saying they all have to be really that. difficult, right? But like, even true or false, Popeye was a musical starring Steve Martin. No, no, Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, oh man, these are all simple. Well, Before Naked Gun and Airplane, what Canadian actor starred in Forbidden Planet? Before Naked Gun and Airplane. So you just I assume to, it's uh, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, because all you need to do is know yeah. that he's in the most famous movies of his career. Right. Well, you'll dominate all your friends in this game, John. <laughs> for, uh, for uh, like, who won Best Actor for On the Waterfront? Oh, you're going to go that route with me, huh? Is that, is that beyond... Wait, 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 wait. That wait, one's pretty Wait, 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 wait. Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah exactly. Even if you've never seen it. The name at first, right, when you said it, I was thinking on Golden Pond. Oh no! But then I <laughs> had to think for a second. Yeah. I had to watch that in a junior high school sociology class on Golden Pond. Yeah. Did you watch it in school? I I've like? never seen it. Oh really? No. 
yeah, it's it's about exactly what it's about old people falling in love and then passing away. Right. So yeah, that's good. I uh, I think for Christmas the only thing I got movie related. I usually get a book on movies every year. I always ask my wife. And this year it was called. Uh, uh, I've only a few pages in, but it's really good. It's called The Female Gaze. It's by Alicia Stone. She ran Filmstruck, and she's big into like uh, TCM. And it's all about. It's 52 movies because it's like one of them books. Watch a movie every week, you know, for 52 weeks. And it's uh, movies made by women that involve women or talk about like their um, throughout the history of Hollywood. And each movie is she kind of dissects them. And then throughout the book, she has female like people in the industry talk about their favorite movies. And like, it's pretty good. Like in the first like five movies I've read, Mm -hmm. it's an interesting concept. And there's so much. uh, What are some of the movies they recommended? um, Some of the ones I know like that are recent. Um, I because again I'm one of them people like even though I know I can look in the index and see every movie that they're going to talk about I'm like ah, I shouldn't and then just be surprised but I know off the couple off the top of my head I know like um, I know a really recent one was Lady Bird the one that came out a couple sure. years ago because Greta Gerwig did that one and then uh, I'd have to find the list but I haven't tried to spoil it all the ones I've read are from like 1920 so oh. I don't I don't know what those are off uh, off the top <laughs> of my head I think I'm up to like 1940s right now. But I, I do know there's quite a few current stuff. There's a lot of current stuff in the last... Uh, so are they in order of... They're chronological order, from okay. time. So, like, I, I watched the first one because it was, like, a seven-minute short from, like, 1910. And, of course, sure. you can find it on YouTube. And it's and it's it's actually pretty good for, for like, 1910 or whatever the time period. It's about a woman who does the man role and all the men around her act like the women. And so, like, she's the one that comes home from work and, like, the guy, it's, and like that's pretty pretty different for you know 110 years ago i'm sure it was seen as a hilarious comedy mm-hmm. which is exactly what it was seen as and it wasn't the point but you know so good we had fun stuff maybe we'll do a couple more of these as we go on and uh see if we can find maybe we'll have to look through these a little harder find some difficult ones for each other sure uh last one what 1965 musical about an australian family still gets people singing years later I'm assuming you're you're talking about Sound of Music. Correct. Yeah. Who is Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife in True Lies? Jamie Lee Curtis. Boom. Yeah. Pros here. <laughs> We're pros. But to get to the movie news, which we have a few things to talk about, I think we'll aim with uh, John's first, just because I find it interesting. If um, is the I'll let you go over the Regal Cinemas idea that they have for movie pricing. Yeah. So there was an article that said that Regal Cinemas is planning to do tiered pricing so in other words certain movies would cost one price and other movies would cost more um i'm not sure if like the the standard ticket price is going to be the minimum or if that's going to be like the new maximum i would assume okay so the little i know about this the only reason why i know some about this is do you you know what movie passes right remember that when that was a thing a couple years ago where you put the like 10 bucks a month, you got a card, right. and you could swipe it. So I did that for about six months, seven months. Um, movie Pass, but it's like bankrupt because they've screwed the entire thing up. It was pretty sweet for about six months that I could see like six movies for 10 bucks. It was pretty good. Right. Movie theaters hated it. And I would get in, then it started to go really bad because I was getting emails from them like explaining pretty much how everything screwed up, but stay with us. We're going to get through, but they, they started that. How were they making money? Nobody really knows. Like I would, well, apparently they weren't because they they weren't bankrupt now, but they are. And I, but I think they've gotten some funding to keep going because I think it's still going, but it's barely going. So the idea is is instead of buying a movie ticket, every time you go to the theater, you pay like almost like a subscription fee. Yep. 
every month, and then you could just go and see as many movies as you want. Yeah, it was, you could see one a day. So, I mean, you could see, what, 30 movies in a month if you wanted. Right. Um, but your theater had to accept it, which ours did, and that's the only reason why I got it. Um, and even I remember I knew somebody that worked at our local theater, and I asked her, I'm like, how does this thing work here? And she goes, I don't know, but our bosses hate it. And that's all we know. Like, I never asked her beyond that, because she's just like, that's all we know, is that... Because it was undercutting movie theaters, so you'd assume the well, profits weren't... weren't as, I as thought high. that maybe MoviePass was reimbursing the theater. I don't think that's how it was going, because that's why... That's even why Regal and AMC started their own subscription service, is because they realized that they weren't... They actually probably saw a good idea, and then realized that they weren't getting the money returned. They're like, oh, we can just do it ourselves, and... Mm-hmm. Not have to take a movie pass, but within months, movie pass went from ten bucks a month to fourteen ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine. Quick, and they started doing restrictions on it. Yeah, like, yeah. Then they started. You couldn't see a movie like the opening weekend or something, right? And then they started doing tiered pricing, which is exactly why I canceled. I, I didn't mind the ups because I still thought, you know, it's still pretty, still pretty good, even at twenty bucks a month. You know, if you see two movies, you pretty much made your money. It's like worst right. comes to worst, I break even. Right. But when they announced tiered pricing, and then I read some reviews of like, you know, if you go see Green Book, you know, it's still the seven fifty. But if you go see, you know, Aquaman opening weekend, you're paying like at least four bucks additionally to the subscription. I'm like, oh yeah, top of your subscription. I'm done. So that's supposed to be what Regal's kind of doing then, right? Right. So, um, I I like the idea that. Some some movies would cost less to go see. I don't, you know. Again, it's going to kind of come down to like, I, are they going to, you know, if I go see Avengers opening weekend, is that going to now cost me more than it used to cost? I think that's the I think that's the idea. If I'm right, I don't like that. So say so say like, what's our theater eight fifty so, on an average night? Yeah, you would think if you let's just take a shot in the dark, say Avengers open this weekend, mm-hmm. and you went, you would think ten fifty. You think two bucks more, maybe? And then other movies would be six fifty, probably. Okay, I, I like the idea that some movies not get as much money as others because I feel like some of the movies that get made are really just cash grabs. And they, yeah, but I think those are going to be the expensive ones. Really? Yeah, you got to think. Like, what's a good cash grab movie that came out this year? Like a bigger one? Like what's just one? something like Happy Death Day? Yeah, Happy Death. Let's take Happy Death Day. Right. I I could see that one being. The normal. That movie shouldn't cost as much as the Avengers Infinity War. Right. Well, I mean, say Avengers opened the same weekend as the new Pixar. Mm-hmm. You'd assume the Pixar's probably going to cost the same. Yeah. Pixar's are usually big, Pretty big. popular movies. Yeah. Or even Disney or whatever you want to say. But Those animated movies take years to make. <laughs> right. You know. My point is that, like, some movies are just kind of, they're crap. You know, and they just shove them into the theaters. Right. Just to have something, it's like, oh, hey, you know, vampires are popular right now. Let's get ten vampire movies in the theater. Or right. They just they just crank them out, you know. So I do kind of like the idea of them getting less money to, you know, to go see that movie. But I don't want to pay more for more than what we're paying now. Well, and you know, we we luck out that we live in Northwest Wisconsin that our ticket prices are actually pretty decent. You know, I mean, yeah, some people are probably paying fourteen, fifteen bucks. Yeah, I know, I know. Like in LA, a ticket cost can run you know, like seventeen to eighteen. In the city, that's, I, I, that's weird to me because you can buy like a Blu-ray movie. Yeah, I know. Isn't like, crazy for like twenty? Well, I went and saw a movie in the Twin Cities um, in Minneapolis last weekend, and it was their matinee. I saw it at 10, 10 30 in the morning, and uh, it cost me more than our ticket. I think it was eight seventy-five for matinee. Yeah, for matinee at ten thirty yeah. in the morning, that I was one of four people in. 
you know, and ours, so that's still 25 cents more than ours. So we kind of luck out, but we also don't get the, you know, the movies that everybody else, I know, let's be honest, our local theater is something to be behold. It's not the greatest place on the planet. I think it's just fine. You think it's fine? Yeah. We go on a whole podcast just about movie theaters, but I have to the point now that if the, if the seats aren't halfway comfortable, I'm done. And I think our theater's seats are so rough to sit in that I can't I do think it. They're, they're what I'm used to. I know some theaters now have the big, like, comfy... And they're the greatest the things. Big, the big lazy boys. Absolutely. But that's a luxury. Don't, that's the don't best. Don't expect that. I want it everywhere. <laughs> I'm sure you do. But Even in our Eau Claire... You know, their theater has it now. They have the luxury seating. Well, good for them. Oh, it's, what a, it's a, what a treat. The treat. But <laughs> I don't expect that when I go to the theater. Oh. You know, you, normally you get the little one that flips down. That's fine. It's I would like at least a seat that doesn't recline, but moves a little. So my back can like, because again, I was at the, the theater I went to in the cities, didn't have the nice comfy seats, but their seats allowed you to move, like just like rock a little bit in them. Yeah. 10 times more comfortable. Sure. Our seats, at least, un, you know, just unscrew a screw. Just let it, let me flow a little bit in there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I, I think our theater is just fine. I, think it's, uh, I, think it's, I love the, I love the leather seats now. I hate I think you're a bit of a uh, theater snob. I am. Right? I am now. Because I, the leather seats, man, you just recline back, stick your feet up, order a beer. It's too good now. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see. Well, I think those theaters that do that kind of stuff are trying to pull you because they know they're charging you a lot of money to come see the movie. When yeah. You, when you can buy it and watch it at your house and you're own Lazy Boy, it's hey, they true. better give you a Lazy Boy if they're going to charge you the same price. Well, and that's probably that's probably part of the thing is it makes it a little more of a – I mean, even uh, – so the one I go to is in Oakdale, Minnesota. That has – have you been to that, Marcus, I think? Yeah. That has, like, the full tilt, mm-hmm. push the button on the seat, and you can get a server at you thing, you know? <laughs> And, uh, what do they charge the ticket? Uh, the tickets aren't bad. It's everything else that's you think ticket like or if you think food prices right. are insane at most theaters, this place, like the tickets aren't bad. Like they're they're a little above normal, but they're not like to the point where I'd be like, oh, I'm not seeing it because it's everything else that they get you on. I remember my wife and I went and saw. I think it was Lady Bird, and uh, we uh, you know we're in the chairs. And I'm like, oh, let's get a pizza, and uh, and you know we we got a medium pizza. Um, I would say it was from Aldi and was as thin as two pieces of paper and cost me $18 and I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Couldn't, it cost more than the movie tickets. I'm pretty sure yeah. my, my wife and I, we openly laughed when we received the pizza cause we know we got completely hosed <laughs> and I was like them. That's exactly what they do here. Mm-hmm. Dang it. Yeah. I was so sad <laughs> by that moment. We go on a whole tangent about movie theaters, but yeah. So the movie, the, the pricing, I would assume a lot of the big companies will probably start doing that. You would think. I mean, if they know they can make another buck and a half, say for everybody that sees Endgame. Mm-hmm. But see, I'm saying they might deserve it for Endgame, but I'm saying <coughs> some of these crap movies that come out, you know, like The Purge part, whatever. People just need to stop seeing them. Um, but do you think that'll deter people? Like what? What? Like say Purge eighteen comes out, uh-huh. and uh, you know you go in and you want to spend your eight fifty, and they're like, well, just so you know, a Purge is nine seventy five today. Like, I wonder how many people that'd be like, ugh, eight fifty was bad enough. No offense, it's I know it's only an extra buck twenty five, but you bring another person that's extra three bucks, that's your candy. People think like that sometimes. I think. See, I'm hoping those kind of movies go go down. Go down. But you're, you're thinking it might just be... I'm just thinking of franchise names. You know, like we talk about the reasons why we started this was like the names that 
whether they're good or not, they're out there. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like the name itself will probably draw more weight to the pricing than anything. So, you know? So you think per, something like the Purge would go up? I think it could. That's a shame. <laughs> that's that's the perfect result. That's a shame. <laughs> we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We'll, uh, we'll have to keep up with that just to pay attention a little more. Um, I guess the other thing, because, you know, in our first episode of 20... Well, not really. We had the Predator one, I think, came out like the Christmas New Year's Day or whatever. But first full like back episode of what we do here, we want to go through the top ten most anticipated movies of uh, 2019. See where we're at. Mm-hmm. And again, I think you can all probably assume where they all lie in the world of blockbusters and all that stuff. So uh, I'm on uh, MovieWeb.com and uh, number ten, Suicide Squad two. Yes, I'm looking forward You're to looking it. You're looking forward to it? The first one, I thought it was cast really well, but I thought the script was awful. Um, they got James Gunn right in this one. He's done the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah. He's actually done a lot of really good movies, a lot of interesting movies. And I am looking forward to seeing what he does with those characters, because they got some great, interesting characters. Just needed a script, and now they got James Gunn. Can't wait. Yeah, and I think... Uh yeah, I am more excited. I think I've said on here before, I've never seen the first one. Because yeah. I have no interest. I like to think James Gunn is going to put a little extra effort into this one, too. Because, you know, he got fired off of the last movie he was on. Right. A um, little bit of controversy. So, you know, he's going to want to show that he's a talented guy. Hey, he, that you can hire like, him. And, totally. You know. And I think it's a pretty big deal. I, I really do. And, I mean, um, yeah. Uh, number nine, Shazam. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, my here's my thoughts on Shazam, and this is me being, uh, you know, you. Uh, it's well stated on this podcast that you know comic books and stuff because you're in the comic book store. I don't know what and who Shazam is. Okay, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing: the name and just the uh, overall character. I have no idea why I would see this. I think a lot of people will see it strictly because of. It's a DC movie. It's superheroes. Go see it. It's fun. It goes with the lore. Uh, but to me, as an average viewer, I, I have no interest. Right now, I'm like, I don't know what this is. Well, let me give you a quick history. Of yeah, that'd be great. Character. The, ca- the character's name is actually Captain Marvel. Okay. But they they refer to the, the comic as Shazam. Because, okay. Um, because um, to avoid confusion with, with Marvel. And Marvel has their own character named Captain Marvel right. as well. Um, but this character originally, originally was published by a company called Fawcett way back in, I don't know, probably the probably the forties or something like that. And DC sued them because they said it's too similar to Superman, which it is. It's basically a rip off of Superman. Um, but what they did that was kind of a clever twist was they made it a little boy that can basically become more or less Superman. And he says the magic word because back in those days, the people reading the comics were children. So the idea of, of a, a little boy that can become Superman, you know, it's kind of exciting for little kids. So of course, that character, believe it or not, was actually more popular than Superman in his heyday. Okay. He had his own TV show and everything, comics, everything. Um, but DC sued and won. And they had to stop publishing that character. And eventually the character went into public domain. DC picked up the rights to it and now publishes that character as their own. And now we're going to get a movie. Okay, that's interesting. It's good mm-hmm. to know. So, 
he okay. So then his superpowers are pretty much Superman. Okay, <laughs> I think he can uh, he can fly. He's like uh, super strength. Okay, you know all that kind of stuff. I, I I mean they all pretty much do that. So the, it's interesting. The movie should be fun. It looks like you know because he is a little kid, even though he's in a Superman body. There's some there's some humor that comes with that, and it it kind of reminds me of the movie Big with Tom Hanks. Remember that one? Yep. So it's got it's got that kind of thing going for it. Okay, and the actor that's playing. Uh, the Shazam character. Um, Zachary Levi? Zachary Levi, who you'd probably know from the TV show Chuck. Oh, okay, that's who that is? Yeah. So he's he's a funny guy. Yeah. Those the only thing I know about Shazam is that it's still rumored that The Rock is the villain. Oh, yeah, he is. Is he? Is that official? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I, I, I only, all I remember was the rumor, but, so that's nice. I think they cast him before they cast uh, they? Zachary Levi. Okay. And I think I heard that he might even be getting his own movie or something. I mean, they're... I mean, it's The Rock. No yeah. offense. He, he's going to draw the dollars. Right. Um, yeah, he plays Black Adam. Okay. He's, you know, the villain. He's okay. like another, he's like a, I don't know. He's like a... I hope he's just like him. I can't I wait. I think he's the same character. Uh, <laughs> John, just don't tell me. Don't tell me because I'm going to see it for the podcast and I don't want to know that the ending fights Instead of a red onesie, he wears a black, black onesie. onesie. Oh, and his name's Black Adam? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. Um, so number eight. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, yes. So you're big... Oh, Jesus. That last Godzilla that came out the, was um, so tough to sit through. The one with Brian Cranston. Yeah. I liked it. Oh, I don't care what you said. I know, that's fine. I get it, but I sat there and just was... Dr- I sat. I was in the theater, and I dreaded after about 20 minutes. I'm like, oh... You're, you're just not a monster movie. I, I guess I'm not. You know, I, I, I am of the old stuff. I grew up on the old 30s, 40s. Guys, I loved it. But yeah, I've, I've really gotten, I think, away from the monster thing. Well, it's, you know, there's only so much you can do. And just watching monsters destroy towns is... You can only take it so much, especially when every movie is destroying cities now. I'll take more. <laughs> um, I, I like the new Godzilla, and I liked Cloverfield. Um, like any, anything like that with a big monster, your thing. I I gobble it up. Um, this new Godzilla movie, it's they're bringing in Mothra, King Ghidorah. I will say that, <coughs> excuse me, that the uh, the trailer's decent with the with the with the Mothra and the. Uh, I, I think Rodan might Rodan's be in it too. too. There's like three of them. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's pretty sweet. The oh, other yeah. thing is, I'm thinking about it. I'm like. It's going to be an hour and 40 minutes of talking. King Ghidorah is the big dragon with the three heads. This is awesome. I mean, come on. Yeah. That, I mean, who doesn't want that? But the only thing is, is I'm thinking the movie's going to be two hours, 15 minutes long, and it's going to be 15 minutes of that. No. And then I'm going to have two hours of other stuff that I don't care about. The last Godzilla, I think they delivered. They gave us plenty of Godzilla. Oh, I didn't think so. Oh, I liked it. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, 3D is my thing. Did you? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff, which the is what? which is uh, Fast and the Furious. That's The Rock and Jason Statham's character have their own movie coming out. <laughs> I know. I think I knew this was coming. Is that crazy? I this is on the most anticipated movies. Do, those movies make money. I mean, how many Fast and Furious are there? There's nine of them. There's eight. No. Yeah, pretty sure the last one was the eight. The last one. one was called Fate of the Furious Number Eight. Fate. And yeah, but then did they do one more? I don't think so. I thought that was it. I thought Fate of the Furious was the last one. Because the one before that was the seventh, and that was uh, Paul Walker's last one. All right, maybe there's eight of them. But yeah, I think so. <clears throat> so, I... Yeah, it says right now Fast 9 has a delay. Oh, okay. Well, 
I'm not a big fan of the franchise. I, I love car movies, um, but I love seeing cars when they when they do the effects practically. Oh yeah, and like for real. These have gone. You know, I, I, mean, I think we've had this discussion before. Yeah. How off the rails these these have gone. One of my favorite car movies of all time. I'll give you this one. This is one that a lot of people probably haven't heard of. It's called Vanishing Point. Okay. You know that one? No. It's from the 70s. Okay. Uh, they did do a remake in the 90s, but... Um, Am I the only one who heard Vanishing Point and literally went, that's a 70s movie? Like, oh, just, yeah. just, the to- just a car movie called Vanishing Point? You knew it was from the 70s. It's, yeah, there's, so there's no computer effects, nothing, nothing stupid like that. But uh, it's just this guy, he's got this... Uh, now I can't remember what kind of car it is, but he's, he's trying to get... It's a sports car. Um... It's like, I want to say it's like a Dodge Charger or a Challenger or something like that. Sure. He's trying to get, I think, from New York City to San Francisco in a certain amount of time to deliver this car. And he's basically, he's on drugs the whole time to keep himself awake. Heck yeah. He's just speeding. He's he's ripping through the desert, trying to avoid the cops. And they're trying to stop him. They're setting up barricades. Sure. And it is it is awesome. So. Let me check that, that out. Yeah. Something like that. I will. I will gladly watch. Uh, you know, I love those kind of car movies. Um, but you, you know, when the when the when the effects are done for real, when you actually have a real car. sure, of course. And we've had the, we love special, we love yeah. practical effects. I think yeah. I think hopefully twelve episodes in, if you've been listening to us, you should know. John and I are both suckers. Right. Practical effects. You know, here's what I said, and I Fast Five mm-hmm. was the first one with the Rock, and it was the first one where they literally went. Let's create this ludicrous, no pun intended on that, uh, movie. Like, over-the-top explosions. That's where they uh, yeah, chain, they, chain the car to the safe. They, and they turn them drive into it. these, like, um, more like crime drama kind of things. Sure. It's, the, it's, it's all about the family, John. It's less about the cars. <laughs> it's about the family. Vin Diesel says it 18 times a movie. It's about the family, and it's about the <laughs> CGI, and it's about... Flying through the air. And that's why Fast Five, the first time I saw it, I went, that was super fun. It was ridiculous. I had a good time because it was so crazy. And then they came out three more after. And I was like, how can they do this over? And now it's all people want. What Let's is see, the most ridiculous thing they can do? Well, there's there's nothing you can't do. And that's the thing. It's, it's CGI and it's computer effects. So <clears throat> I'm not impressed. I'm not thrilled sitting there watching this. I mean... There's nothing you can't do. If you wanted to, right. you could take a car, have it sitting on the road, have it just fly up into space, <laughs> you know, around the moon a couple hundred times really quick, and come back, land on Earth, no damage to it. You can uh, do, I watched You can it. do whatever you want. Just say computer no. effects. Just say no. It's pointless. In one of the Fast and the Furious movies, I watched Ludacris and Tyrese getting full tilt accidents into buildings where they rolled the car multiple times. Very next scene, they walked in, bandages on their arms, holding their necks. Yep. They, <laughs> yeah. That's all I think about. It's just funny. Um, to me, it's pointless. Yeah. Uh, so this is probably where we will completely rotate, because I have a feeling you like these movies, and I don't. Where, like, I like Fast and the Furious enough. Uh, now you see me three. Love the first one. Oh. <laughs> I love the first one. And I think I knew you loved the first one, and yeah. I thought the first one was one of the, probably one of the worst movies I've seen. No, I loved it. Oh, so boring. Uh, the second one, I thought they kind of milked it a little bit. Now they're sure. doing the third one. I'm surprised to hear that. Yep. Um, it says, uh, for sure, Jesse Eisenberg and Dave Franco are set to return. I, I'll i probably end up having to see it at some point just to see what you know what they're going to do 
next, but um, I don't know. I'm a little surprised they're doing a third one. Yeah, I guess too. it comes down to dollars. They must That's have made it. money. On they them. did make money on the second one, if I remember right. I have no interest. The first one's really fun. It's it's a group of magicians that <laughs> basically. Heist that pull off the most insane heist that's completely impossible, right? Because they have magic. Well, they have illusion. Ugh, it's yeah, it's great. Uh, Spider Man Homecoming 2. Oh, yeah, of course. Can't wait for that one. Can't wait for that one. We'll stick with a couple of these. Can we go short? Spider Man Homecoming to me is was fun. The, the, the best Spider Man movie, I've yeah. Seen. It's been one of the best superhero movies I've seen in the last 10 years. I thought yeah. it was so fun. Uh, Avengers 4 in game, obviously. We don't oh, have to yeah. talk about that. Mm-hmm. How to Train Your Dragon 3, yeah. Uh, I'm sure the kids are looking forward to that. Of course. I won't see it. Nope, me either. Toy Story 4? Sure. Sure. I was pretty done after that last one. Didn't we just have this discussion on Mike not too long ago, I thought? Yeah, I've gotten my fill. So did I. I thought the third one was done. They hit me with the point. I'm like, cute, done. And and then immediately, of course. They were like, this is the last one. And then within seconds, they're like, just so you know. Granted, that third one was like 10 years ago, 8 years ago. But uh, I'm done. What if they did a movie called like Pixarverse or something, and they had all of them? It's amazing they haven't done it yet. in one movie. Yeah, like Toy Story and Incredibles. I mean, what you know, what's going to happen, right? In Monsters, could they do it all in one movie? Why not? That might be interesting. That'd be fun. Yeah, take all the most. Bo- I mean, no. I mean, of all the places that have a good track record, Pixar doesn't usually make bad movies. Wreck It Ralph, put him in there. Yeah. Um, I don't. I'm not hyped to see a fourth Toy Story. No, I am not. I've either. gotten three of them. I I can get it at this point. I, I think I do. I, I kind of I agree with you. And then uh, number one is Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, which it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess the last thing we'll talk about since we're already running long and we actually have movies to talk about mm-hmm. um, is uh, Venom. Venom two. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, I know yeah. John has a couple things to say on it. Quick. Well, they there's some. I guess rumors. I mean, one of the screenwriters on the first Venom movie said that they are doing a second one. I don't think the studio has officially confirmed it yet. They made enough money. Yeah, it made like over, what, $800 million yeah. or something like that. So I think it's pretty much expected that a sequel is coming. Did you see Aquaman just broke a billion over the worldwide? Oh, really? Yeah. Surprising. Um, they were projected, that movie's projected 600 worldwide. Not to completely cut you off, but I just wanted to say it just so I remember. Yeah, they're doing good. Um, I know we kind of mentioned that both those films were yeah, not, fine. not great, but they're, right. but they're, they're crowd pleasers. Um, they're characters that people recognize. And, um, I actually am excited to see a Venom too, because I loved the Venom character. My big complaint about the first film was that he just wasn't in it very much. Um, they kind of did a superhero origin story and they kind of led up to him becoming Venom. But hopefully now that they've got the character established, they can put him in the movie more. And I think a Venom 2 would be pretty good. Um, I did hear that they want to put Spider-Man in there, too. Which, to be honest with you, I don't think they need him in there. Um, but I think that's so many... But so associated together, right? I think that's it. Well, Venom is a, a Spider-Man villain. But... Um, that I just feel like if they put him in there, it'll just be for fan service. I don't think he's necessary to the film. I, I want to see Venom. It's called Venom. Um, and isn't there so many other things in that universe that they can pull off of? Like, do they need Spider-Man to do it? I don't think they need him, but I think they're gonna they're gonna do it just for the you know fan service. I hope it's just a more of a cameo. I hope he doesn't steal the spotlight from Venom. Yeah, because I, I love the new Spider-Man again. Great character with Venom. 
I want to see more of him. Let him have the spotlight. It's his movie. Yep. I agree. So with that, we transition with no segue into our movies of the week, which we have, I think, I think we have three or four that we've both seen that we're going to talk about. I think it's impossible not to tell you that uh, we've done this entire podcast so far blindfolded. Uh, John and I have set up the equipment. We're proving that we can survive right. in the apocalypse if we can't stare outside with blindfolds on. Correct. So that's my terrible joke segue into Bird Box, which we felt we had to review what uh, impact that movie made on social media and online. Yes. I mean, holy I was gonna, crap. I was going to ask you if you were experiencing that too, because I feel Jeez, like everybody, it was nuts. everybody on Facebook is talking they about They said it was the highest watched movie they've had, I think, ever so far. It feels that way. Uh, uh, well, the memes itself. I mean, that's what you want. Even if it's getting made fun of, at least that means people are talking about it. More people go, what does this meme even mean? Which some of the memes out there for Sandra Bullock blindfolded are absolutely hilarious and then there's netflix had to issue a statement the other day telling people to stop doing the bird box challenge have you been seeing all those people are blindfolding themselves doing mundane tasks around the house and hurting themselves like i, I watched one where the guy was on a four-wheeler blindfolded to be fair these people are probably brain damaged oh of course that's why netflix should not have to say that <laughs> i was like netflix shush you don't need to tell people to stop being stupid. I feel like if somebody blindfolds himself and kills themselves on a four-wheeler, that's just natural selection. <laughs> Which is perfect. because that's <laughs> Apparently, if, it, if you live in bird box world, um, that is, it is pretty much natural selection anyway. Because yeah. if you're not good... So if you, if you haven't seen Bird Box, if you're one of the few that apparently haven't seen it yet... Yeah, millions and millions of people have seen it. It's basically... Um, I guess you'd call it a monster movie where the monster, the monster is one that if you, if you see it um, just by making eye contact, you go crazy and want to kill yourself. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. Um, it's uh, what do you think of the film? I, so I thought it was fun. I mean, I didn't dislike while I watched it. I, for home entertainment, again, because it's Netflix, it's an easy watch. But, um, like, there was, it was like one of the movies where parts of it were fun and, like, kind of good. And then there was the other parts that hit all the other reasons why this movie was dumb. Like, my wife and I were watching, she she's an easy watch when it comes to things like this. Like, she was into it. She loved it. She had a good time. And But even at parts, she goes... That's really stupid. Why are they doing that? I'm like, I, I know. Don't I know? Why are they doing that? It's twenty. It's 2018 now. Like, stop doing stupid. Th don't let the guy in the house. Why? Oh, don't let him in the house. He's creepy. Why does the person always have to be like? We should let him in the house. No. Yeah. I, don't do it. So <laughs> I, had a, I had a problem with that scene too. There's there's a scene where there's like a group of survivors that are in a house. Um, for some reason, the monsters can't. Can't get get into houses apparently. If you're in well, I think it has to do that. Yeah. So, and I will talk about this later. But I think it's just like more or less like the light. It seems like you have to be outside. I don't know why you can be inside and close the windows. I don't yeah. really understand that. For whatever reason, if you're inside, you get the windows. You get the blind. The blinds pulled. You. You're fine. You're good. So they there's a group of survivors that are in this house that are that are you know they're they're just in there kind of camping out. And this guy comes to the door. Hey, let me in. Help you know, help me. <laughs> don't let him in. <laughs> girls are pregnant in the house one of the girls that is pregnant lets the guy in think of your kid mm -hmm. like think of the fact that and so the thing so i guess we should start off so i liked the first like 15 minutes a lot 
I thought it was interesting the fact that like so you were with Sandra Bullock, who's the main character, and uh, her her sister Sarah Paulson, um, and you know they're they're watching pretty much the news and they're seeing that it's, I think it starts in like China and all these people are killing themselves. There's chaos over there and they're like, that's crazy. Like that's so weird that's going on. And I'm like, that's it's like, interesting. It's like tens of thousands. It's like yeah, it's a mass suicide that's happening over there and they're just like, oh, I wonder you know if it's going to start happening here. That'd be so weird and. You know, they kind of, you know, it's, you know, it's about 10 minute scene of them learning about who these people are, you know, and then pretty much they go to the hospital, Sandra Bullock's pregnant and they come out and it pretty much just starts yeah. right there. And all of a sudden, like a car just drives off. That's a great couple minutes where you don't, you can tell that they're like, oh, that was weird. And like, oh my, and then I like how they didn't play dumb. Like they immediately knew, oh my gosh, it's going on. Mm-hmm. We got to figure this out. We got to go. It wasn't. Oh, this is weird. I was like, good. You guys immediately knew you saw it on TV and you're like, we got to go. We got to go now. And then, uh, and then that's when you find out that there's a reason why this got mass so fast. Literally, you can't look anywhere. So eventually, I mean, it's right off the bat. So it's not a big deal, but as her sister played by Sarah Paulson gets taken. And I think she starts like talking to like their mom. That was kind of the shtick, right? It's like, mom, I'm coming for you. And then all of a sudden she, her eyes turn funky and boom, she gets hit by a truck. <laughs> Right, and then that leads Sandra Bullock to run to the nearest house she could find. Yep, she gets let in, and that's where you see, you know, your atypical kind of horror movie thing. Where guess how many different types of people we can get into a house? We've got the African American guy, we've got the Asian guy, we've got the pregnant girl, we've got the young girl, we got the old okay. woman, yeah, we got the old guy. Yeah, so yeah, and w- what what made me laugh too was um the the one guy that he I think he was a, a supermarket employee. He goes. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. He he basically gives you the full exposition where he's like, totally. He's like, I think I know what's going on. <laughs> I think it's this. Uh, you know, he just kind of goes into it. He basically explains the whole the whole situation. Whole situation. I'm thinking, how would he know that? Even the character- <laughs> well, remember he he writes fan fiction, so he associated that. Remember, he talks about his book. Yeah. It's a fan. I'm like, how coincidental, right? <laughs> well, even the character in the film question i'm like oh you learn all that working at a grocery store <laughs> yeah. i'm like it's it just was like a full exposition and it's funny the old guy who owns the house who just watched his wife walk outside and get kill herself uh is john malkovich hamming it up like you can tell malkovich got this role and went can i just be john malkovich in this and they're like sure just have fun because he looks like he's having a blast being this cranky crazy old man in this movie um, well, he's the one that said, don't let the guy in. Of course. <laughs> don't let the, and by this point, it's been what a day, mm-hmm. you know? So by then, you know, half the street's empty. It's crazy. Cause there's dead everywhere. I think I would be pretty good at, and they've kind of came up with a plan now, you know, they've kind of learned who they were. They went to the supermarket blindfolded, which was an interesting, I learned that, uh, you can drive pretty well with the GPS, even though yeah. you painted the windows clear. Well, they had the little, they had the. The thing that tells you they have the like the motion sensor, you know, which some, was cute. Some cars will have that if, so to prevent you from backing into something. Yeah. So they're they're able to navigate their way <laughs> to the grocery store because in the in the apocalypse, everybody wants to go to the grocery store. You always see that same scene in every zombie movie and every movie like this. They go to the grocery store because you get all your supplies there. And I love that when they when they go there, you, it's always the same scene. There's never anybody else there. Oh, of course. Well, Nobody else thought to go to the supermarket. The the one place that everybody knows to go to in the apocalypse, the place that has all the supplies, is a supermarket and or mall. But it's empty. Empty. 
and barely been ransacked. I also love how it was partially ransacked. Right. You like that where it's kind of empty, but just enough food and stuff around to fill a grocery cart. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think Sandra Bullock even had the idea that maybe we should just live there because yeah. all, all the supplies you would think that you would think that when you go to the grocery store during the apocalypse, that the place would be just teeming with people like a, like a beach on a hot day. You would think, well, it wasn't even said <laughs> the guy, uh, uh, he's played by Trevante Rhodes. Um, he's like kind of her love interest. Cause of course, um, he also says it. He's like, why are we, why would we even go back? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you guys don't know each other. You've been together for hours out of proxy. Uh, we have the car and we're at the grocery store. Eh, it's fine. I'm, I can hang out here. Um, but yeah, so that happens. And so then you have the kind of the story of, you know, them trying to survive the house. They let the guy in. You knew right away. Don't Drama. let the guy in. And they also, then throughout the whole time, you're flashing forward. This is actually all yep. flashback. She is five years ahead of time. She's with two kids, which you learn why who the kids are as the movie goes along. And they're getting from the woods onto this river, onto a boat. And they're going to go down the river because apparently at the end of the river, there's a safe space. Yeah, there's there's two storylines. There's two storylines that are happening. Two timelines. There's the you know the, the main kind of storyline where we're learning about the the monster and they're trying to survive it, and then the the, the present time storyline where they're they're basically just on a boat blindfolded, Sandra Bullock and two children making their way down a river. Yeah, and it flashes back. But apparently, but in all the stuff you see, like all the memes, it's. That's the river part. That's what everybody knows, even though that's probably even like only a third of the movie and the other two thirds are how it all came about. So the boat stuff was long. (laughs) They kept cutting to them just on the river and her putting a blanket over the kids to talk to them a lot of times. And I was like, we got it. You're going down the river. It's scary. There's rapids. And then they would keep doing it and doing it. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done here. I got it. I didn't mind that so much, but um, one thing that I hate, it's something I call false drama. That's where you create a very dramatic sequence, <laughs> but then it you just diffuse it, right. basically. And there's a, there's a part where it's established that they're going to hit some really rough rapids, and somebody is going to have to look right. to, to be able to navigate. Right. And that's probably like three or four of the scenes. It's her trying to figure out which of the, who's going to look. Who's going to look. Yep. Is is Sandra gonna look? Is one of the kids gonna is look? One of, the, one of the kids gonna look. Who's gonna look? Yep. Who's gonna look? Knowing that they're gonna kill themselves, they're gonna be they're gonna be taken. Who's gonna look? Yeah. Who's gonna look? And what happens? No I bet one, you nobody will no guess. One looks. No one looks. <laughs> I, I thought that too. I was like, you couldn't have came up with that. Like the they were on the river for like two days. Yeah. You had she had two days to figure out, and then she gets there and she's like, nobody's gonna look. It's like you didn't you didn't think of that the whole time. I mean, again, the movie is not smart. It's extremely dumb. It is a dumb movie. Like, there's a lot of dumb sequences, a lot of stuff that you know is going to happen. Um, like, even the ending, like, first off, they never, I, I have, did you read a little bit on this movie? Did you read that no, the monsters uh, were originally in the movie? I did read that they... But apparently the monsters were so bad <laughs> that they had to cut them out. That was okay. the, that I, was what was said. I heard, I had heard that there was a scene, at least one scene that showed the monster. Right. And that they deleted it. And actually, I thought it was kind of smart to not show the monster. I thought so, too. Because since it is a monster that, if you look at it, you you die. So why would we look at it? Um, 
this idea that we don't see it. It's good. So um, it almost, it leaves you when the movie ends, it leaves you with this sense of like, well, what was it? What it looked like? And it, is it out there? Yep. Could it be out there now? Um, so I, I, I felt like that was actually an effective way I agree. To, to do that. I didn't know that they had cut the monster because it looked bad. Yeah, that's why. But that's almost, they thought it would have taken away. Which I what you oh, just it said. Oh, it yeah, would have. It would have. Sure, whatever they. I mean, what? Shown. That's the hard part. What is it? Yeah. What is it, it that doesn't make you go? Oh, that wasn't great. Right. You know. It it leaves you with you know it leaves your imagination to fill in the blanks. And exactly. I think that that's always much more effective than actually showing something. And it's it's interesting because that the movie Jaws had a similar thing that happened to it. They had built a big shark, but it looked ridiculous. So they they cut all the the scenes and you're left just with this sense of is the shark coming? Is right. it there? Is it not there? Um, and it, it's, it makes it more scary. And this movie, I think um, it had that going for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. You know, the one thing that I was confused about, maybe you can shed some light on. So when they let the guy in the house, um, he, they kind of explained it a little bit. And I understand that again, we, what we just talked about the monster, you don't know what it is really. And that's good. You shouldn't know. If you're not going to know, don't know. I don't want to know. I'm yeah. confused. I don't want to know. But he is able, apparently a few people are able to see it and then continue its process yeah. to get more people to look at it, which is... Yeah, so there's... But why? There's some people that, well, you have to kind of think on that and figure that out for yourself. Yeah. But, um, so some some of the characters in the film, if they look at the monster, it doesn't make them want to kill themselves. They think that what they see is so beautiful that they want to share it with others. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, so there's a part where Sandra Bullock, when she's in the boat blindfolded um, with the kids, there's this guy, they go through some shallow water and this guy comes running out there, tries to take the blindfolds off them. He says, you, you need to see this, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think um, it, in my mind, there's, there's some sort of allegory there. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it too. You know, but again, it's a movie that if there is a big allegory there, it's too. The movie's not smart enough to promote the allegory. It's this idea that some people. Um, I'm not even sure how to describe it. I'm probably going to sound like an idiot if I try. No, it's fine. There's an there's an allegory there that it, that that for some people when they see something, um, they embrace it. They think it's the most wonderful thing in the world, even though um, it's it might be causing them. Harm. Well, and here's the thought I had, and this is the allegory I think is go back to Sandra Bullock's sister who openly states it's their mom. She's staring at. So if we were to go with that little piece of information that maybe it's your dead relatives coming and they're coming to take you, maybe the some people would embrace that. Like, Oh my gosh, there's my dad. Maybe the allegory is death itself. Yeah. Some people commit suicide sure. because they, they desire to be, to be dead right or um, or the afterlife or yeah. maybe that's what they desire and that's what they want some people some people cut on themselves right. for whatever reason they it gives them pleasure where others would find harm in that so i think i think there's an allegory there somewhere i don't know exactly what the film but does the movie w- even ask for that though is it i don't it think it gives that, you enough to where you, you use your imagination but i don't think it's wanting you to use your imagination that hard i think we just dug deep into a movie that's not asking you to dig that deep Perhaps, but that's not so bad either. No. Um, I think a lot of people are really responding to this movie, especially with, like what you said, it's all over Facebook. It's I everywhere. That too. Um, it seems to be an effective film. I personally didn't love it. Um, I thought it was good, fine. I thought, yeah, I thought it was okay. I, I sat through the whole thing. I, I enjoyed it enough to view it once. 
but a lot of people are really responding to it. I think a lot of the people that are responding to it are people that have children too, because sure. in the film there is a lot of peril involving the children. So I think if you have children, you can really relate to that. Um, but um, I did think it lost some steam at the end, though, when they when they when they went to the five years and ahead, and you saw where they were now, and there was that like ten minutes of the people that are left and where Sandra Bullock had to get to the boat and why she got on the boat and went down the river. I didn't mind the ending. I thought it made sense to a point. Um, I didn't like one of the, one of the point parts at the end, but I won't say it. I'll say it off mic. Um, but I, you know, again, it's fine. There, there's movies yeah. out there that are fine to watch for two hours. And this, this is fine. When I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, um, it, it reminded me a lot of a quiet place. <laughs> And the happening. Yeah, I was going to say the happening too. Um, a lot of people, I think, noticed the similarity to a quiet place. It's a movie that came out recently where, in that one, if the monster hears you, it will it will find you and kill you because it's a it's a blind monster. So in that one, they're trying to live in a, in such a way that they can not make any sound. And in, in this one, its sight has been removed. Yep. So I felt like this movie might have gotten made because of a quiet place. Uh, I know it's based on a book. But um, I don't know if Netflix might have looked for that kind of material sure. because A Quiet Place did right. so well and was very popular recently. Um, but yeah, also The Happening, um, which was an M. Night Shyamalan movie that came out a few years ago where um, the, the premise in that movie was that the plants and the environment was basically the, the antagonist. It, it, the worst M. Night Shyamalan swerve <laughs> ever. So the plants, the plants decided that because humans were polluting the environment, the plants as a self-defense mechanism started giving off this chemical that if you, basically, if you breathed it in, um, you would go crazy and kill yourself. And it would, so in that movie, you're, it's, it's another invisible monster. It's this chemical that's in the air. Um, and people are just trying to avoid it by being indoors and making sure their ventilation is all you know, covered and everything. Um, so yeah, very similar, very similar. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you have like the happening, which I think is just not good movie. Then you have bird box, which is an average movie. And then you have quiet place, which I think is a pretty good movie. I thought a quiet place was, was okay. I think this one was a comparable to a quiet place. Oh, really? I, I think if this one had come out first and then a quiet place, um, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think people would. I think it, I don't want to go into a whole discussion about Quiet Place, but I think Quiet Place could have done well with actually making everything quiet instead of playing music over the scary parts. And I was like, but is that? That's not what they're. The whole point's not to hear stuff, and you're playing a score underneath of it. I think that'd be great to do the paranormal activities thing where you don't play music. Just let me. Then somebody I saw that because of Bird Box, they announced that uh, Quiet Place has a has a cut where they take out the sound. I'm like, yeah, it's called mute on my TV. Like, that's what it is. So I'm like, it's funny. But yeah, no, so it's, you know what? Everybody has Netflix, like we say. Some movies are average and fine to go with. So, um, but again, it's everywhere. So you almost want to watch it just to be a part of it. It's almost like one of them things. You almost want to watch it because everyone else is. I think it would have been really good as an indie. Like, if somebody had just made this as their first film and it was just a really small budget film. Right. Instead of and getting Sandra Bullock and John Malkovich in it. Yeah. That always kind of, that kind of ruins it for me. Like it, it would have been, a I thought Malkovich was, I love Malkovich and all, but he really stood out. as like, here's an actor. 
yeah, in a movie. It, that it would have been a really charming small indie film, and and then it would have made sense. Like, oh, they don't show the monster because they didn't have a budget for it, but they explain it in a smart way. Right. It would have been really charming. But this is a, a significant budget film. Sure. With Sandra Bullock, John Malkovich, um, it, so it doesn't have that charm. It's just a, it's just you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fine, enjoyable movie that a lot of people seem to be responding to. So it's probably worth checking out. Yeah, I would think just to be, like I said, just to be in on the, in on what's going on. Yeah, it's nice to know. All right, next, what do you got next on your list? Um, well, we another Netflix original was that uh, Black Mirror movie called Bandersnatch, and this is the one where it's a choose your own adventure. So. There's moments in the film where you get to make a, make a choice. You, you actually press a button on your controller to determine the choice that the character makes. And it affects the, the subsequent parts of the film. Yep. What'd you think? Uh, this was tough to be... I, I was done about 30 minutes in. <laughs> I, I I did not and I, I enjoyed that very little. Okay. I I didn't. I mean, right away within minutes, I was like, well, "This." You, I understand that it's it was not made with quite a bit of money. It's it was. I, I also didn't like. It, I and this is funny. As I was in about ten minutes in, I didn't like choose your own adventure books when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I never liked them. I would I would rent them because I was like, "Oh, these are interesting." And then I'd be like, oh, this is dumb. Like, I screwed up. I messed this up. Now I have to go back. And I don't want to go back. I just want to keep going. And going back just isn't fun to me. So when you're doing this, so like, you know, you, you, you that's the thing about that happens in this movie. You choose your own adventure, but then if you choose the wrong one, they back you up and they're like, yo, you got to choose again. Well, that's not what I chose. I don't want to throw the T on the computer. I want to break the computer and see where it goes next, but technically I can't. So there's a couple, there's like three times where you got taken all the way back and you had to choose that moment in order to progress the story to get the, really what it was, was choose your own adventure to get to the end. And now we'll give you a bunch of endings and then that'll dictate the ending. Cause I've read online that some people said that they'd gotten like multiple different endings. Like, I don't know how many times you tried. Um, I think I saw both at least two or three different endings. Okay. I saw two. I was going to go for the third, got midway through and went don't care enough and stopped it because I was like, what am I doing here? John, John had to watch more than these. And I, somebody wrote online out. I don't know if I believe it or not. They said they were up to seven different yeah. endings. So, um, so that's what, to me, that's what it felt like. It was a way to get to the end to see a violent scene of some sort. And if we do it a bunch of times, it'll be cool. Mm-hmm. But I, I did like the interior of the, of the movie was, the kid, which was like set in like the mid eighties, was making a game that was Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. So it was and almost it was based like based on a book, which was a Choose Your Own. Yeah, so I thought that was neat. There was some smart layers to it. I like that. Um, I'll say this too: I I love when somebody does something original, even if it's not great. I just appreciate seeing something new. There's so many films that come out that are based on something else. Or even if they're not based on something else, they just feel familiar because they just borrow the same plots over and over. So I just appreciate when somebody tries something new. Maybe this one wasn't great, but maybe somebody will do something else with the with the choose your own adventure idea. But I even thought to me was I did it on my Xbox. I play video games that make me do this all the time. So it, to me, it didn't feel new at all. I was like, oh, this is it. Well, it's. I mean, there's definitely been video games that have done it, but how often do you see it as a movie? Do I want it? Do I want to be in control well, maybe, of this? Maybe you don't, but I think, like I said, I, I just appreciate that they tried something new. Sure, sure. Um, I thought it had some smart layers. Like I said, the the title of the movie, Bandersnatch, comes from the, the book, 
in the movie, which is a choose your own adventure book, which he is turning into a choose your own adventure video game. Yep. And, um, so it had some, it had some layers to it like that. And I thought that layer, I thought that part was good. I, I that was probably the one, if there's one part about the movie I liked was that I also liked, uh, uh, Will Poulter, who is the other video game designer, which I've yes. seen in other movies. I like him. And so he was fun. What I love I, their tripping out scene, their drug scene. What have I seen him in? Because I recognized him for sure. Yeah, he's in... Uh, I'm, I'm never going to pick him this stuff off the top of my head, but I'll look it up. So in the in the movie, the, the main character... He's, Maze Runners is a big movie. Oh, that's movies. right. Maze Runners. And Chronicles of Narnia and We're the Millers. Oh, he's the son and We're the Millers. Okay, that's it. Go. Yeah, We Are the Millers. That's a, that's a really funny movie. Um, yeah, so in the movie, the main character is designing this video game, and he gets to go to um, this game, uh, like uh, production, video game production company, and make his game there. And he gets to work alongside this very established video game designer, yep, played by Will Poulter, and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it. I mean, it's simple because the point of the movie is that it wants you to choose your own adventure, so everything about it's simple. And I think maybe that was also what took me out. Like, there's this relationship between him and his dad that, meh, which turns into be the big plot point, big plot point at the end. And it's fine. I actually thought his relationship with the other game designer was my favorite part. I thought the part where they went and hung out, they had the, they did the drug scene. I thought that was fun. That actually was my favorite part of the movie. And then that cho- choice that you make there, I think, is good. And then everything after that, I felt like, A, A, I hit like three choices again where I had to not, I chose the wrong thing and I had to repeat the stuff and they showed me it and I was like, ugh, okay. The choice you're talking about, they're, so they're in a hotel room, um, they take uh, some sort of drug and Will Poulter talks about alternate realities and he's he basically explains that um, he's going to jump out the window and appear elsewhere on the other side of town or yep. something. And he basically asks you, do you want to jump first or do you want me to jump first? And I chose for him to jump first. What of did, course. So did, did I. Choose? Yeah. Well, cause my thought was, so I, the, here's a problem I had too. And this goes back to my problem with the choices. I almost started to choose what I felt the movie wanted me to choose. Like that one, I went, there's no way I can jump first. And I don't know what the actual response is of that because I didn't go back because I never will. Um, so I'd have to Google that. Um, but that was my first thought. I went, A, if it was me, I'm not jumping off this building. So that's why I did it, A. But then I went, does the movie want me to jump? Because if I jump, am they going to make me go back and then choose him to jump? I had that thought and I went, no, nah, I'm just going to choose him. So maybe that was a problem I had too. But it was cool. And I liked the whole lead up to that. I thought that was good. And then after that, I was done. Yeah, the movie, they talk a little bit about um, sort of like, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, like predetermined destiny versus yep. free will. That kind of comes up in the movie. So, which was a good choice for, for the being the type of film it is and where we're making choices for the character. Right. And I do like how about two-thirds of the way in the character realizes that he's not in control of his choices. And he kind of calls it out. Like he has a one point where he's in his room and he's like, like what's why? And he kind of talks to you. Yeah. I thought that was neat, but then that never happened again. And I was like, oh, it'd be so fun if you kept talking to me, like, Oh my gosh. But you know, I thought there was some fun stuff in it. Um, overall, I, I would recommend it. I thought it was fun. Um, 
like I said, I, I was really excited to see something new. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's an interactive movie. I mean, it's, it's worth, it's worth trying it out. Sure. Go for it. No offense. If you listen to this and you thought that's a cool idea, then you're going to do it anyway. So just do it. It's fine. And then you can be, yeah, I enjoyed it. Sure. It was something. It was something. <laughs> it was something. Yeah, it was something fun. That's good. So a movie I caught up with finally, um, or not finally, I think we both just caught up with it, was Bad Times at the El Royale. So yeah. I watched it last night because John said, had to try to get to it. We even recorded this podcast a day late and it worked out so I could actually watch it last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll let you take this one. It's, it's, it seems like a John thing. Yeah. So uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, it's um, kind of an ensemble film. Um, it's got Jeff Bridges, it's got, uh, uh, what's his Dakota name? Johnson, John Hamm, John Hamm, I was um, trying to think of John Hamm, uh, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, yeah. um, a lot of recognizable actors and, um, the premise is they, they're all coming to this, the same motel. It's located right exactly on the California, Nevada border. Yep. In fact, they make mention that you can choose a room in either California or Nevada. Or Nevada. Um, but everybody gets rooms in Nevada. Did they? Yeah. I didn't even catch that. Oh, really? That's the whole point. That's the reason why all the California rooms are out of service. And, oh, okay. Because, you know, the, I mean, I don't think it's a secret. I don't, I don't think it's a spoiler of the movie. But, uh, I mean, within seconds, you you know that this is all bad. <laughs> like yeah, Everything there, here is bad. There's a lot of, yeah. It, but there's a reason why they're all in Nevada. It's because of the what's behind the walls. That's why they're all in Nevada. Well, I know some of the characters were aware. No, they're all in Nevada. Every one of them. No, some of the characters. So the opening scene, we see a, a bag. Oh, yeah. Buried. The Nick Offerman scene. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the opening the opening scene, we see this guy. He, he comes into the room. And it's one stagnant shot. Yeah. It, the, it, the shot doesn't move. It's one camera. It made me feel like I was watching a stage play. Yeah. It was, it's it's like, it was like watching a scene from a stage play. You only saw the three walls. And then um, he comes through the door. He's got a bag of something. And he rips up the floorboards of the motel. He pulls back the carpet, rips up the floorboards, buries the bag under the floorboards, puts the carpet back, and there's a knock at the door. And not good. Not good. Not a good ending. <laughs> but, you know, it's the first 10 minutes of the movie, so right. it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's a big plot point that needs so, to keep the movie going. So the reason why some of the characters are there is because of whatever that bag was. Yep. Um, but as the story goes on, you'll learn more about who these characters are. Some of them are not being honest about who they actually are. Some of them have, you know, hidden... I think there's only one of them that's honest about everything. Helms it's the singer. Oh, the singer. Well, Hemsworth, but Hemsworth's technically not a part of the hotel until later. His right. he, he comes in for a different reason. Yeah, he comes in later. But of the four people and the bellboy, of the five of them, yeah. there's only one of them that's there as a person. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a which I liked, by the way. I just yeah. not to cut it off, but I did like that the fact that one person was there without a a reason, kind of without a shady reason. One appeared to not have a. Yeah, I thought that was motive. neat. Yeah. But yeah, it's basically just a, a ensemble film with a group of, you know, interesting characters. Kind of a quirky film, um, completely original. It's not based on anything, and that's one thing that I, again, I, I, I just I love when I see that. I love when I just go to something and it's I've never seen it before. Um, 
this isn't based on anything. It's just an original script. And it was done by Drew Goddard. Yeah, I like Drew Goddard. Um, what's he best known for? Martian. The Martian. Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Cabin in the Woods is really good. Yeah, those are two big movies he did. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of good twists and turns that you won't see coming because you can't because it's an original. It's not based on anything. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was maybe a little long. I, yes, I thought the Chris Hemsworth stuff yeah. when he showed up yeah. was bad. He, I did not uh, like the, the way that, cause of course this has to conclude and it concludes with a whole nother side story that I couldn't believe still had 35 minutes left in the movie when I checked. Cause I was like, Oh no. Well, Helmsworth gives an awesome performance. It might be one of the best performances I've seen Helmsworth give. Well, but they did give him too much screen time. Too much. I think they were so proud of his performance <sighs> that they were like, we're leaving it all. But that in the movie. performance thing is something that's so stereotypical to that type of person in a movie. He play. How would you describe his character? I mean, he's a cult leader. Yeah, but he's he's the, he's the flamboyant. Like, oh, this is. Uh, uh, it's just every cult leader you see in a movie is kind of just sleazy, that guy. Is that guy? He was kind of a sleazy, kind of sexualized. Yeah. Character. Yeah. I've not seen Hemsworth play that character. I'm not saying I've seen him, but I've seen, but that but that character in other movies, like a cult leader that's sexualized in a way, it kind of acts like Hemsworth. Unbuttoned shirt, you know, kind of is, uh, you know, very out there with the way he speaks, but has like his his you know female that he's always into, and there's usually a reason why, and that's part of the movie too. Um, I don't know. I thought all of that. From the time he showed up to that hotel to the end, I yeah. was checked out completely. I think the first two thirds of this movie are fun. Yeah. They're they're interesting. The characters are fun. You want to know where it's going, mm-hmm. but they have to conclude it. And I thought the way they concluded it was left left a lot to be desired. Um, yeah, it did kind of lose some steam towards the end. Um, I think it was more fun when you were learning who these characters were. Yeah. And some of the the twists and turns, were the, you know, the, the story was kind of unfolding, but once it fully unfolds, um, they should have kind of wound it down pretty quick. But I think so. They do give uh, Chris Helmsworth a lot of. But when you time. have him in the movie, and he's you know one of the most famous actors in the world, mm-hmm. and, and his perform, I thought his performance was really really good. I was thinking that the whole time. I'm like, I thought he was really great in that character. It was completely unlike the other characters I've seen him play. Um, but I, I think, you know, they, they just gave him way too much screen time when he shows up, it turns into the Chris Helmsworth show. Yeah. And it was an ensemble up to that point. Yeah. And I think, yeah, when he shows up, there was still what you said, 35 minutes left. 35. Cause I went, I, within about three minutes, I went like, I didn't like it. I was like, I don't like this. And I, cause you end up learning that cult leader part. Yeah. And that also explains Dakota Johnson and her sister's connection to the hotel and why yeah. it's there. And when I saw that, I went, Ugh. and then I, I just, I happened to pause the movie. I, I didn't even intentionally pause it, but I looked, it was like 33 minutes left. And I went, Oh my gosh, I can't believe there's 33 minutes left yeah. now. And they conclude. I mean, that takes us 20 minutes to get to the, the part. It feels like helps with only really had like two or three scenes. He did the, the like scene the where they was 35 minutes. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the other part, and this might be, this might be bad nitpicky, but, uh, the lady who was there played by, I have her name, Cynthia Arrivo. Uh, she's a singer. She's going to Reno, Nevada to play the next day. That's kind of why she's at this hotel. She's the one that doesn't really have much to do with what's going on, but she gets involved. 
She sings an abnormal amount, which is fine. She's a singer. By about the third song of extended singing of her for minutes, I was I couldn't listen to her sing anymore. I'm like, I'm done with you. <laughs> I know that's mean to say, probably, but I couldn't listen to her songs anymore. All the song was the same. And I was just like, I'm done. I, I extended sequences of her singing and singing and singing. I'm like, uh, I don't know. That's a me thing. But again, I thought the first two thirds were fun and moving and, and clever. Yeah. And then I thought it fell off the rails pretty quick. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you there. I mean, overall, I would I, I would say I enjoyed it. Um, a lot of that just, like I said, came from the fact that it was something new and fresh and different. Um just kind of an ensemble film with a lot of quirky characters. I thought that, um, I mean, I, I, it made me think of like a mix between hateful eight and identity. Did you watch identity back in the early two thousands of the hotel with John Cusack? I remember that one. Yeah. It made me think of a mash mash between the two. I mean the hotel part and then you have the ensemble part, but the only this time, you know, Quentin Tarantino is known for just talking his way through a movie. Mm. They actually showed you why these characters are who they are instead of telling you who they are. Um, so, you know, I thought that also the connection between father Jeff Bridges' character and the bellboy was interesting. The fact that he has done a lot of bad things at this hotel and uh, does a lot of drugs. Uh-huh. And uh, he's, he sees Jeff Bridges, who's dressed as a priest, and he's obviously not a priest. I think you kind of know that right away. But this kid wants to believe he is one, which also led to a really ridiculous scene at the end with him and the kid. But... I didn't think it was ridiculous. So, I, it made sense to me. Um, I think that uh, I think the film, if I were to sum up what it was about, what it was about for me anyway, was it's sort of a film about how um, your choices make you who you are. Um, the Chris Helmsworth character talks. He he talks about how he um, he doesn't believe in God, but he believes that you can make your own right and wrong. Right. You can decide for yourself your own right and wrong. And that's, I think just don't choose a red. <laughs> um, I think that's a lot of these characters are defined by their, their choices that they, that they have made totally. And you get to decide for yourself, which ones you think are good and which ones you think are bad. Sure. Um, I think that setting the, the hotel right on the, the border and so that when you come into the hotel, you immediately have a choice to yeah. fit with the overall theme of the film. Right. Um, so I thought that was kind of clever. Um, I liked it. And I think it, I, I really appreciate that Drew Goddard made this movie and didn't just make the same movie that we've already seen that we, that's that we know is going to be successful. He tried something different. I think so. Yeah. Um, I heard that a lot of the cast members had to work for less money than they would normally take I bet. in order to get this movie made yeah it's pretty it's pretty low key yeah i mean if you really look at it like i thought that midway through too i kind of look at it like i was kind of thinking about the set mm-hmm. the set's nothing it's it's like five rooms and a, and a hallway i yeah. mean that's about the whole thing yeah so i i would say please see this movie support these kind of movies being made it's not a perfect movie it's not but it, um, of some stuff that we talk about on here this is much better yeah overall you'll you'll enjoy it you might not enjoy every scene but I think there's a lot of good stuff here sure. and good on Drew Goddard for, for trying something different yeah. and working to get it made. Yeah. Again, like I like the, I like the director, like you said, I mean, I like Jeff Bridges and Dakota Johnson and John Hamm. I like them as actors. Mm-hmm. They're fun people. So when you get them all in a movie, it's, you know, makes it a little better. Yeah. So, okay. So I think we're going to do 
uh, American Animals, since we both saw that. When did you see that? Uh, I saw it a couple months ago. <coughs> um, I uh, we got time to talk about Spider Man as well. Yeah, yeah, we do. We got we got some time here. Um, I think we can run through this one pretty quick though, and I think we just brought it up. The reason why I actually thought I brought it up is it's now that we're going to know each other. I think uh, um, I think we are starting to understand who we are as movie people and. Um, I even I haven't watched it yet because I'm funny funnily and John's gonna hate this. I'm funnily waiting for a perfect night to watch it, but I'm gonna watch Roma on Netflix. That John said, "Don't make me watch it." Yeah, he, yeah. What's it called? <laughs> Roma. Roma, which is the huge so, Netflix Oscar movie right now. Yeah, by Alfonso Cuarón. Dustin wanted us to review that movie for the podcast. And I was so nice. I read the description <laughs> and I said. Uh, I, I will. I will just be bored. <laughs> I know. I, mean, I even. I even like. I told him sometimes I'm going to make him watch movies, and even I pulled that one back, and I was like, you know what, John, I'll do it. I, well, it, it, it would be. It would be pointless for me to watch the movie <laughs> because I, I already know I'm going to be bored through the whole thing. That's going to be my review. It's yeah, and that's fine. It's not, and that, and but even I think even the text you said, you're like, this is a this is a Dustin movie, and I was like, that's fine. But uh, so when I watched American Animals, I I kind of had uh, John and I rent a lot of movies from the local library. And uh, I had this on my list. Is that where you got it? Yeah. That's where I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of completely, I, I didn't know what it was. I honestly, you know, because I make a list throughout the year and, you know, you can't remember every movie. And so mm-hmm. I, occasionally when the library tells me like, oh, you have a movie at the library pick up. I'm just like, all right. So I'll go pick it up. So I watched this cold. Mm-hmm. I had no clue a second about what this movie was about. And within 25 minutes, and this isn't to say I didn't like the movie. I went, this is a John movie. <laughs> Like I, I don't know why because I because that's why I wanted to review it on here and I was just going to text you about it and I was like it's not that important but I just wanted to know because I want to know if it's a John movie or not because immediately I went this is his type of movie well you're close okay um, good I, I do like heist films and capers and that kind of thing um, this film is a, a partly documentary partly partly uh, filmed movie yeah they mix interviews with the actual people that were originally involved with the footage that they shot for the movie. And it's telling the story of these young, uh, I think they were just college kids that decided that they were going to steal some famous books yep. from, from the, from their, uh, college library. They, they were like first printings of, uh, what's it called? Um, the Audubon, the yeah, the bird about the Birds. books, yeah, the the first book that was fully illustrated of quote unquote all the birds in America or all the birds in the world. Or yeah, something. it's called it's called something like yeah. That. But they have this part in the university, and again, this is a true story of where they occasionally, and it's more than just that book, but they put a book on display. And there's a lot of other rare books, and it's mm-hmm. it's under lock and key. There's somebody in there all the time. You have to have appointments. You have to have right identification because you know right. there's millions of dollars worth of books in here. But it's a cool thing that that university has to offer their students, really. Yeah, and that's what they see as their way out. Yeah, they, they want to steal these books and basically just get rich quick. But these are the and they don't I don't think they fault it in the movie, which is great. These are four college kids that don't know how to steal a million dollar book. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I wasn't rooting for them to be able to do so. I thought they were all despicable characters. Yeah, they're not good. I didn't like any of them. No. So I mean what I'll say about the film is this. I think whoever put it together did an awesome job. I loved the the balance of actually using real interviews with the real people mixed with the footage from the film. And this is why 
I said it's a John movie because I know you're a big editing person. Yeah. I've learned that about you, that you love editing. And I thought within a half an hour, I'm like, this is edited extremely nice. Yeah. The way that interspersed it and it's, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel separate. Right. It feels edited together, telling the story. And I thought the way they did, I'm like, that is seamless. Yeah. I'm like, really good. Really well done. Um, you know, the filmmaker is obviously very talented. Um, the story itself, I did not care for. I didn't care for any of these kids. They're a bunch of punks. Yeah. They thought they could steal some stuff. Um, screw them. <laughs> you know, I know here's the other thing is, is they're not very redeeming in their one-on-ones either yeah. in the documentary part, you know, which I thought maybe is a good thing. I mean, at least you're not seeing a movie that's showing these, these dumb kids. They're kind of still not great people. Like, right. I, I think the one interesting part, and I thought they kind of overstated in the movie was the ringleader guy. Um, who kind of set this all up and kind of lied his way to get them to kind of do this. I think he was doing it for the rush and not the money. And I think it's cool to see these guys now sit down with the camera and talk into a documentary. You know, they spent seven years in jail for this um, and kind of realized that he kind of lied their lied them into it. And like, they're like, God, he, and I kind of like the fact that he, he's still uh, oblivious to all of it. He still thinks it was a great idea. He still like he doesn't he he won't say he lied. He was told the truth, even though they're all like, I don't think he did. Yeah. And it's funny to see the guy who was the ringleader not learn a thing from the situation. Yeah, like the, he, he, he lied had, about he said he had like a fence that was set up that they were gonna sell these books to and supposedly he they dropped him off at the airport and he had a supposedly a meeting with this foreign, you know, individual yeah. that was gonna buy these books. And why would you believe that? I'm sorry, like, they don't really know each other that well. Like, two of these kids aren't even friends. They just kind of got roped into it. And these two other guys, the the main two, are kind of friends, but kind of not really. Like, this, ah, you have to be kind of dumb <laughs> to firmly believe yeah. this. Yeah, they, they're all they're all <coughs> dumb kids. And they kind of still are, right? Like, yeah, and that's that's why you really didn't care for the film. I, I mean, I, I thought, that, again, the, the, the filmmaker is very talented. Yeah. Um, I think he should have chosen a, a better story to make into a movie. Yeah. I didn't really appreciate that these guys were being glamorized in a movie. I mean, I don't know if they're exactly glamorized, but just the fact that a movie they is They kind made, of are. You know, I don't think it needed movie, to be a movie. I think it could have been a half hour. I mean, just anytime a movie is being made about somebody, it's in a way glamorized. Sure. It. These are not kids whose story deserves to be told. Not really. And the story isn't interesting for an hour 45. No. I mean, as a half hour documentary on TV, it probably is. Because really the only part you need is the, the failed heist. Yeah. They'd spend an hour on the build-up to the heist of nothing. Usually in a heist film, like a, maybe an Ocean's Eleven or something like that, the the heisters are depicted as good, likable people, and there's some reason why we want the target taken down. Right. The target is unlikable. Um, in this movie, the the target is the books at the college that are on display for everyone to share. They're not, right. they're not locked up somewhere where nobody can have access to them. They're on display for everybody to enjoy. And these people want to steal them and take them and turn them into money instead. And the person who protects them is this sweet little sweet old lady, lady that they assault, assault physically. And she is still, and she's also part of the documentary and yeah. she's still a sweet old lady who still works there. Of course. And she is so calm about the situation. Like, you know, how many years later, 10, 15 years later now that they're making the doc or whatever. Yeah. She's still like when they talk, she talks about it. She's like, yeah, that's what I do. I'm like, I protect the books. And yeah. I'm like, they like, 
Yeah, you know, they taser and tie her up, and you know, right. it's yeah, they're not good people, and I don't really mind movies about not good people, but not when they're like, I don't know, these are just ugh. Yeah, this is kind of it's kind of gross. Right. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think the reason why I, I I thought of you, it wasn't about the story. It really wasn't. It was about the way it was shot and edited. Yeah. Flow, it flows. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah. But even but it is funny. Like it is funny if you're gonna make a movie like this. You have to like you'd figure you would even care about the real people, like they're real. You still don't at all. You kind of see them and you're like, you're still dumb. You haven't learned anything from the situation, and really all you're learning is your relationships with each other weren't that good. Well, duh. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to talk about. I just thought it'd be a fun conversation. All right. So got a few minutes left here. Cover a couple other movies. I think next week will be another big purge purge episode, and then uh, the episode after will be our best movies of 2018 since John and I have to do some catching up. And I think John has a catch up movie right now that he saw just last night. Yeah, Spider Man into the into the Spider Verse, which I did not get a chance to see. Um, yeah, so I a lot of people have been recommending this one to me. I finally got a chance to see it, and. Um, it's yeah, it's quite good. It's basically it's it's an animated movie with um, a whole bunch of different versions of Spider-Man. Um, in the in the comic books, they've told different. There's there's been different iterations of Spider-Man, and different people have been the Spider-Man, um, depending on which you know version you're reading. And um, what they did with this movie is they they've taken several of those characters and put them together. Um, they, they have a, a plot where there's, uh, the kingpin opens up a portal basically and allows this to happen. And, um, so you, you've got Peter Parker, you've got Miles Morales and you've got spider Gwen. Um, you've also got, uh, Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. Which, and this is, you know, obviously I don't know any of these people, but I've heard a lot because you know this, so the golden globes last week and I'll talk more about them next week. Uh, into spider was one best animated movie of the year. And so I've started to read a little more and those, this, me going into, I have no interest of going to see this in the movie theater. I just don't, but I kind of do now just because of the other Spider-Man, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah. The Spider-Man Noir sounds like the coolest one. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man Noir is an actual character from the comics. They did a whole noir series. They did a Spider-Man one, Iron Man, Punisher, X-Men. Oh, really? Okay. They all had noir. When was that? When were they published? Um, Probably about 15 years ago. Okay. Um, maybe 10 years ago. Good to know. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, they're, it's, they're, they're fun books. They're really fun to read. And actually, the Spider-Man one is probably the best one. I like that one and the, the Iron Man one. Okay. But they do these, <coughs> these versions of the characters where it's set in, like, the 40s or 50s. And it's got that kind of pulp feel to it. Um, in this movie, they... It, this movie's definitely a comedy, so they they depict him as more of a comedic character. The Spider-Man Noir actually is black and white. Oh, cool. He can't see color. Oh, really? <laughs> and he uses a lot of old-time slang when he's, like, beating up bad guys and stuff. Funny. But, yeah, it's, it's very funny. And there's also Spider-Ham in this movie. Yeah, I heard that. What is that? Peter Quick. Porker. Peter Porker. That's what I've heard. <laughs> it sounds like a joke. Oh, way. it's a it's a complete joke. Another character that actually does exist in comics. See, but that's a, it sounds like a joke for the movie. It doesn't oh, even sound like a joke that actually exists, but I'm sure it does. Yeah, he's an actual character in the comic, and um, they kind of depict him in this movie as almost like a Looney Tunes character. Okay. So he 
he basically can, um, he, he doesn't have to abide by the laws of physics. He can, he, he, he operates on like comic or cartoon logic or cart- okay. cartoon physics. Sure. Like when, uh, Wiley Coyote goes off a cliff and he doesn't fall because he doesn't look down. Right. That kind of stuff. Uh, okay. So he, That's he's, funny. he's a cartoon. Sure. Spider-Man. So this movie's pretty lighthearted. It sounds. Oh yeah. It's Overall. a complete comedy. Okay. Um, very funny. It's got a lot of good funny parts. Um, yeah, I mean, you can definitely easy to recommend. I've heard the animation's gorgeous too. Yeah, there what was do you th- I heard it's a little weird at first. Is this right? Like, kind of well, when you first start seeing it, it's almost like something that's so different. It takes you a little while to adjust to the type of. It. I think we're so used to Pixar or just basic cartoon looking movies that this one is. I, that's just one. So I just want to know what you think. It had a unique style to it, and I thought the characters all looked really great. The thing that threw me off was when, you know, when things are in the deep background or the, or the extreme foreground they'll normally have they'll normally be out of focus sure the way they depicted that in this film was there would be multiple versions almost almost like looking at a 3d movie but without the 3d glasses okay yep that's what i've heard and that threw me off completely and i never got used to that okay that was a big mistake but other than that i mean (coughs) i thought it was i thought it looked great see that's funny because the reason why i asked that question because i listened to a movie podcast called linoleum knife and uh, their husbands and uh, the, the one husband went to the sea spider verse cause he heard it was good. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go by myself. And he's like, yeah, I had to, I walked out of the movie about 10 minutes in and I called my husband Alonso and I was like, am I supposed to have glasses on? Like I, am I in a 3d screening? And he's like, and I talked to the people that ran the theater and they told me, no, this is how it looks. And he didn't believe them. So he called like two people and was like, is this supposed to watch this movie? And he's like, I walked in and I only could pay attention to the weird 3d look that I felt like it should be in 3d and it wasn't. So that was what I want to know. So it's interesting yeah. to hear you say, is that the whole movie? Well, yes, but I mean, it's, it's not very prominent in okay. every scene. Sure. Um, it's just a couple times where I really noticed it and was really kind of distracted by it. So I thought that was kind of a weird choice, but, um, but you know, the characters looked really cool. The animation was really cool. And the, the humor in it, a lot of great characters. Good. Yeah. The characters sound like a really fun part to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun to see all the different it's, you know, I've been reading comics for a lot, for a long time. And so I'm familiar with a lot of these characters, but it seems like it's, it's normally they, they do the mainstream ones in movies. You know what I mean? Like you, you always see Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Sure. Um, you know, you always see for people like me, yeah, who only know Peter Parker Spider Man, right? Um, but it's great that they're starting to get into some of these secondary characters, characters that I know and and enjoy, and it's great to see them get used and depicted in in movies. So. Yeah, and there's nothing to say they can't work. I mean, that was the big uh, knock on Guardians when it first came out. Was right here you go, here's a movie of like you know because that was following the boom. It's like well, here's Thor, here's Captain America, here's Iron Man, here's Guardians. Nobody knows who these people are or what they can do or why would I care? I mean, same with me and Shazam. I don't know what that is. Once you go to the movie and you get to know them, of you find out that exactly. And if and you need a movie to figure out if they're going to be worth it or not. I mean, at some point, one of these isn't going to land and you're going to be like, oh, maybe that just wasn't the character for us. You know, like maybe it just didn't translate. Yeah. But yeah, well, that's good to know. I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. I was assuming you would. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was really good. Um did you love it though? Um, I mean, I didn't. Okay. I, I I liked it quite a bit. 
Um, and your girlfriend went with you? Yeah. What was her reaction? She enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, she enjoyed it. Um, for me, I mean, I still prefer the live action stuff. Sure. I mean, the Spider-Man Homecoming is probably my favorite. So you think this is like middle of the road for you, Spider-Man? If you had to rank this, them, probably middle of the road? I would probably put it right uh, right below Homecoming. I mean, yeah. it's... Oh, you think fun. it's the second best? Well, it's it's kind of... It's, it's, it's hard to compare because it's so different. You know, the Homecoming depicted Spider-Man for as Spider-Man. And this is more of a comedy. This is not... This isn't. This is a. This is an animated movie. It's, sure. it's a completely it different genre. Or is it PG thirteen? Uh, I don't know. It's. Um, but I would say that this is probably one of the best animated films I've ever seen. Oh, okay. I would compare it Which more. Is what I've heard. Yeah, I would compare it more to like The Incredibles, something like that. It's PG. Okay. Um, you know, for the longest time, I always considered The Incredibles probably my favorite animated film. Okay. Um, this I would put probably up right alongside the Incredibles. Interesting. I, it's hard for me to compare it to like live action, sure. the live action stuff because it's a completely different take on the character. Right. It's not. It's you know, it's not trying to be taken as seriously as those kind of films. It's a fun comedy. Um, definitely great for the you know if you got kids and stuff, they're gonna love it. Great to bring the whole family to this one. Everyone's gonna enjoy it. Good. Oh, sorry, bump the mic. Um, good. Well, then I'll have to watch what comes on DVD. I'll, I'll, oh yeah, I'll watch it. But then get a nice Blu-ray and, and there, make sure it looks good. There's a scene at the very end of the credits, all the way at the end. You got to stay through the. I've heard. Credits. I got it spoiled accidentally on a pod that I wasn't uh, planning to. Hear. We won't. We won't spoil it here. But no, it's, it's it sounds really, cool. It's a really fun scene. I'll give it that. I've heard. Yeah. Um. Well, good. That's good. It looks like we recommended good stuff this week. We'll have another big, big episode, I think, next week too. Probably filled with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And then uh, we'll round out the year. Or, Three weeks late of the year, and then we'll head and dive first into 2019, watching new Fast and the Furious movies that John wants to watch. Good luck with that. <laughs> but I think that's it for us. Yeah, thanks for listening. Listen to me, honey, dear. Something's wrong with you, I fear. It's getting harder to please you every year. I don't want to make you blue. But you need a talking to